I said earlier, this is one of my favorite things to talk about, is the resurrection, and um, it just, man, I started off today getting, just coming here, it's like already hit a home run, because I'm talking about one of the coolest things ever. Uh, Tony Campolo wrote a sermon, and it was called Sunday's Coming. I think there's a part of this sermon I'm going to share with you here in just a second that makes for a great introduction to today's message, because it's basically where we left off last week. And, and for those of you who weren't here, we left off last week with Jesus being crucified and then buried. And so listen to what Tony Campolo wrote. He said, it's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's sleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate is struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary is crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scarlet. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know Sunday's coming. It's Friday. You see Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. And Sunday's coming. It's Friday. It seems the world's winning, people are sinning, and evil is grinning. It's Friday, the soldiers nail my Savior's hands to the cross. They nail my Savior's feet to the cross, and then they raise Him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something, Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the disciples are questioning what's happened to their King. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know it's only Friday. You can say it with me if you want. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father. Left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan is just a laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. A rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It's only Friday. And Sunday's coming. You know, I think that that first Easter Sunday, that first Resurrection Sunday, was so good because the days before it had been so bad. You see, Good Friday commemorates the crucifixion and Easter Sunday, the resurrection. And that one day in between, that Saturday in between, really, if it commemorates anything, it's desperation. On that Saturday, it seems that Christ was totally defeated as his body lay utterly dead in a rock cave. The spear had sliced his heart. His tongue had gone silent. Death was absolute. No one was betting on a resurrection. Even Jesus' closest friends on that day couldn't fathom that Sunday was coming. And today, as we look into the story, we're going to see how we can get unstuck from Saturday and move into a Sunday way of thinking all the time. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here, to, to open your word, to, to talk about just how deep your love is for us to 
to be able to, to see in your word and to celebrate the resurrection of your son. I pray, Lord, that you'll open our hearts, that we'll, we'll really grasp where we are in life and where we could be in life with Christ. I pray that what I say and what we do will honor you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to start out at about verse 57, uh, which is actually the burial of Jesus. And, and we're going to read through this, and I'm going to share a few things with you. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. That's a, something I want you to hang on for a second. Is Mary Magdalene watched this happen. That's, that's going to make a lot of sense here in just a little bit. Verse 62, the next day... The one after preparation day, the chief priests went and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, talking about Jesus, said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Saturday was was a no hope, no courage kind of day. While Jesus' opponents celebrated his death and, and even continued to conspire against him. Make sure we seal this tomb. Make sure there's no way we can be duped. His disciples are hiding in fear. They, for all they know, they could have been next to receive a cross. The disciples hid behind closed doors. Well, why would they hide like that? I mean, they knew the plan. Jesus had told them time and time again what was going to happen. But the reality is, at this point, the disciples didn't trust Jesus' promise of resurrection. They just couldn't see it. As much as they wanted to, they just couldn't see it happening. Mark chapter 9, verse 30 and 32, it talks about how this is one time where Jesus shared his plan with his disciples. And he says in verse 30, they left the place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Verse 32, but they did not understand what he meant. And were afraid to ask him about it. Listen. I want to encourage you right now. If you ever, as you're reading through scripture, you come across something that you don't understand. Don't ever be afraid to ask what it means. The disciples from Jesus' mouth were told the plan. But scripture tells us they didn't understand and they were afraid to ask. I don't know if it would have changed anything for him, but I think if they would have only asked, hey, what exactly do you mean? And he was able to to really get him to understand they may not have been in such a downcast place on Saturday. Don't don't ever um, miss out on what Scripture is saying. Study around it. Gather the context. Ask somebody. Study with somebody. Find out what was happening. Get all the information you can. 
Much like Christ sharing with his disciples, God wants us to know the plan. Jesus wanted them to know the plan. He knew they were going to doubt. He knew Peter was going to deny. He knew they were going to fall asleep while he was praying. He knew these things were going to happen. And he tried. He wanted them to know the plan. He wanted them to have hope and courage. And he wants us to know his story. And he's given it to us in Scripture. Don't be afraid to ask your questions. But the flip side of that is you need to be ready to live according to the answers when you find them. And so here we are. The disciples have been told the plan. But they didn't understand it. And when Friday came, they scattered. And when Saturday came, they remained in hiding. And on Sunday morning, the women disciples, they did not intend to celebrate Jesus' resurrected body. Instead, they expected to embalm his dead body. But let's look at Mark chapter 16. Verse 2 and 3 says this, Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They were stuck in a Saturday place. Have you ever been stuck in that Saturday place? You're so overwhelmed with something, so overburdened. These ladies had watched Jesus be crucified. I'm sure, much like us at a funeral, you're sad and, and you're not always thinking about the best things. And, and they're, they're probably right. They, they were thinking about mourning and, and maybe trying to think of some good memories to, to lighten the mood. But they were right where Satan wanted them to be. Stuck in a Saturday frame of defeatedness. Feeling helpless, dejected, alone, without hope. We also can easily get stuck in a Saturday frame of mind. Living with a Saturday type of mentality all week long. No hope, no courage, no plans. Believing that death was indeed the final end. You know, and that's, that's a true point too. Everyone dies. It It happens. Some even say as soon as you're born, you begin to die. It's kind of a morbid way to look at it. I like to think I'm going to live a lot before then, but we try to avoid death. That's, that's the reality. We try to avoid death. We brush our teeth. We eat healthy. We, we pay our bills. We raise our kids. And, and people are living longer these days. But the truth is, everyone dies. Romeo and Juliet died. <laughs> I know. It's just a writing. JFK died. Princess Diana died. Love gets buried in a tomb. Poetry gets buried in a tomb. Is this all there is? This sadness of Friday. This aloneness of Saturday. Max Lucado tells a story of his brother. He calls him D. He says, D was an outgoing, friend-making, joy-bringing kind of guy. He was a personal ambassador for his shy, younger brother, Max. But in his teen years, D met a bootlegger. And alcohol trapped him for four decades. He drank away his health. He drank away his friends. He drank away his jobs and his money. And at age 54, Max's brother D made a serious decision to join AA and to turn his life around. Great things happened. His life and his marriage stabilized. His relationship with God uh, uh, fell into a good place. But the reality is the years of alcohol and smoking three packs of cigarettes a day left him fragile and in bad health. He began to have chest pains. He was rushed to the emergency room by ambulance, and by the time his wife Donna arrived with one of their sons, he had already passed away. When they went in to see his now dead body, one of his hands was resting on his thigh, and his fingers were curled in the international sign language form of I love you. Max knows why he was able to do that. He said he was able to do that because he had moved out of a Saturday and into a Sunday in his life. 
He had moved out of desperation of, of being trapped in alcoholism and, 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 and addiction. And he, he was able to move into this, this great place where, where he had forgiveness. He'd moved out of these desperations. He'd moved out of fear. He moved into courage. By God's grace, he moved from being stuck in that Saturday way of life for 40 years into a Sunday grace. And for Christians, Sunday, Resurrection Day, it's a day of eternal love and life and hope. It's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday. You know, Mary Magdalene came to Jesus' tomb. She was stuck in a Saturday state of mind overwhelmed by the events of Friday, just like everyone else, not remembering for whatever reason the promises that Jesus had made. I wonder what it was like for her when she walked up to that tomb. Scripture tells us she was the first one. She walked up to the tomb that morning. You know, Natalie Grant wrote a song from Mary's perspective that I think brings this whole weekend, if you will, into perspective. And we want to share that with you now. Broken every time till he healed. 
said I think it's a pretty good concept of maybe what Mary Magdalene might have been thinking she approached the tomb but let's look at John chapter 20 verse 10 through 18 then the disciples went back to where they were staying now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept she'd been over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated there where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the foot they asked her woman why why are you crying They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that that he had said these things to her. What do we notice about Mary here? 
I picked up on a couple of things. First off, the empty tomb did not take away her, her despair and her grief. She looked in, the tomb was empty, she was still crying. The angels who, who asked her why she was upset, that didn't, they didn't take away her despair and grief. I also noticed that this is one of those rare times in Scripture where somebody is in the presence of angels and they're not bowing down or cowering in fear. She was so caught up with trying to figure out what happened to Jesus, even in the presence of angels, it didn't really change her demeanor. Even, even to the point when Jesus said, Woman, why are you crying? She thought he was a gardener, still in, in distraught. But Mary Magdalene, the one who Jesus befriended, the one that he delivered from demonic oppression, had the sadness of Saturday covering her heart. But Jesus, alive from the dead, meets with Mary, calling her by name, Mary. You know, at first thought, she, like I said, she thought he was the gardener. But when everyone else thought Jesus was dead, no one called him Lord. No one except Mary Magdalene. Jesus speaks Mary's name and she realizes that Jesus, her Lord, her Savior, is alive from the dead. And she realizes that Sunday is here. Why did Jesus personally appear to Mary Magdalene that way? Because that's just the kind of person Jesus is. He's full of mercy. He's full of compassion. Are you in a season of darkness? Are you in a place where you're so oppressed that you're just stuck in a Saturday frame of mind? This could actually be a good season for you. Just like Mary. You know, during the, during the times when we're stuck in a Saturday, God doesn't get mad at us. He doesn't get angry because we're stuck there. He, he, didn't, he didn't make fun of Mary for thinking he was a gardener. He wasn't like, what's wrong with you? No, he just, hey, it's me. Go tell them that I'm going to go ascend to my Father. God doesn't get angry with us when we're stuck in something. He's patient with us. Shh, be quiet. Listen, because he's calling you by name. I like to think that the calendar in the coffee break room of heaven is just stuck on Sunday. Every day is Sunday. It's here, and, and it's just every day. Because the scripture says they sing holy, holy, holy. And so they're worshiping. Every day in heaven has to be Sunday. It's Sunday. Not just today. We should live every day like it's Sunday. Because God is inviting you to move from a Saturday state of mind into a Sunday type of life. The choice is yours. I have one last thing I want to share with you. I love the movie The Incredibles. And there's this part in the movie that, in my opinion, really sums up well how the disciples and, and Mary and, and the people who really followed Jesus, I think this is how they were going from Friday into Saturday. I think it may even point to how some of us as Christians live our lives. Watch, watch this clip.
what are you waiting for? I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. Me too, kid. There it is. What are you waiting for? Something amazing. Good. Because it's already here. It's here. It may be Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's here. Like Tony said in his message, when we are surrendering to Christ, it enables us to have our personal, spiritual, and psychological needs met. Sunday's coming. It's not just a cute, churchy thing that I wanted everybody to start saying. It goes on to point out that when being yielded to Christ is part of a movement that will change our world. When we live our lives like Sunday is coming, like Sunday's actually here, then you'll pick up on the personal and social dimensions of the gospel. That I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, are you? All right, three people aren't. Good, amen. Um, maybe I should do that again. Uh, when we live our lives like Sunday's coming, then you'll pick up on the personal and social dimensions of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, are you? No. There we go. You see... Social science has tended to ignore some of the, prere- the prerequisites of the gospel. Does the past really determine who and what you are? No. Folks, we're not just these Pavlovian dogs that just slobber like our world wants us to think we are. What's more important than our past is the future. That's what the disciples missed. That's why, they're, that's why they were hiding. They, they couldn't find it. They're waiting for something awesome to happen, something amazing to happen. The Christian gospel is not as concerned as with where you come from, but where you're going. You may be messed up simply because you can't decide what Jesus wants you to do with your life. But as Mary found out, who we are and what we are is not simply defined by ourselves. Folks, the Bible doesn't say that your mother or your father or your husband or your wife or your your boyfriend or girlfriend should be the most important person in your life. The Bible says that Jesus Christ should be the most important person in your life. Are you willing to live like you believe that? And most importantly, die for Him. Jesus thinks you're terrific, Mary. He loves you, Peter. Even though you fell asleep while He was praying. Even though you may have betrayed Him. You know, the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus doesn't see our sin any longer. Jesus sees more potential in you than you see in yourself. The problem is we've been caught up in all the the cultural myths. And a lot of those myths, they're not going to meet our needs. Much like the things that Mary found didn't fix her disappointments. But Jesus, He meets your need for love. He meets your need for mercy. And and real quickly, there's a difference between love and romance. Romance is self-centered and egotistical, but love, love is always concerned about the other person. Romance doesn't last, but love in terms of phylos. You'll make a better husband and a better wife if you put Jesus first. The, the, The phylos love, two people committed in the same goals and purposes in life. Then there's agape love, a love that God Himself creates in your life. It's God loving another person through you. It's agape love that teaches us and and knows how to forgive and how to care and how to be full of grace, even when somebody may not deserve it. You see, every human being has a need for the miraculous healing love of Jesus Christ that's come from that gloomy Friday where He hung on the cross through Saturday, that despair of Saturday, to the resurrection Sunday. And because of that act, because of what Christ has done for us, 
We don't need to cower in a room hiding like the disciples. We need to go out. We need to live. We need to remember that being a Christian is giving of yourself to meet the needs of others. It's being a reflection of Jesus Christ. It's looking for ways to be a reflection of Christ. It's, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And when we take the gospel seriously, our psychological needs will begin to be met. Our capacity to love will be developed. And our appreciation for what God can really do will cause us to expect great things from Him. How about you? Are you tired of living in the shadows of a gloomy Friday? Are you, are you walking through life like that kid on The Incredibles just waiting for something amazing to happen? Are you done being stuck in sorrows of, of a never-ending Saturday? Sunday's not just coming, folks. Sunday's here. What are you going to do about it? Our Lord is alive. Are you going to continue to cower in disbelief? Are you going to live and sing and praise the one who set you free? If you're ready to respond to God's word and his plan, the time is now. If it's a first time decision, the baptistry is ready. If you need some redirection in your life, Christian, the elders are here. They'd love to pray with you and and share with you, be accountable with you. Maybe you'd like to partner with us here at Huntsville Christian Church and help us to be that reflection of Christ to our community. Now is a good time to respond. Will you stand and sing our response song with us, please? Um, It's been great to be here with all of you today and to worship, but now it's time to go. As you go this week, I want to encourage you, don't go like Max Licato's brother. Don't go holding on to deadly things for far too long. Whatever it is that, that may be holding you back or keeping you down, whether it's physical or spiritual or mental, whatever it is, don't carry that addiction. Don't carry that burden around for four decades It will wear you out. Let it go now. Go this week knowing that Sunday is here, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ lives, and because He lives, you can let go of these burdens. Because He lives, you can have the strength you need to battle whatever it is that's going on in your life. Because He lives, we can go into our world in peace. We can be an appealing reflection to Him. In short, as you go this week, go showing less of yourself and your desires and more of Christ. Sing this last song with us.